Welcome to We Need to Talk, conversations on wellness to inspire, relate and enlighten with Coast FM's feel-good breakfast host, Tony Street. Hello there, welcome to We Need to Talk, it's great to have you with me. Today we're talking about weight loss, Ozempic. It's the buzzword in weight loss at the moment. You might have seen Hollywood stars who have lost a bit of weight being questioned and either putting it down to Ozempic or vehemently denying they've used it. Gary Witter is a professor at the University of Adelaide in the Faculty of Health and Medical Science. His research includes appetite regulation, metabolism and management and prevention of obesity and related complications and the physiology and use of testosterone. So I thought that Gary would be a perfect person to give us all the answers on Ozempic and whether we should all be taking it. Gary, hello. Hi. Oh. Nice to uh, nice to be talking to you and thank you for the opportunity. Oh, pleasure. Now, you have been studying weight loss and metabolism and appetite for a long time. How does Ozempic sit in terms of advances and um, things that have been, I guess, creating a storm in your world? So I think um, it, it's important for people to um, get some appreciation of um, how how obesity affects people and why it's necessary to have a medication. So um, for for the vast majority of people, and this is because of physiology, it's the way we're constructed, and it doesn't just apply to humans; it applies to all animals and pretty much all life to some extent. Is that we're we're designed and constructed to conserve energy and to maintain a certain energy set point. So if we have an amount of fat in our body and that decreases, that sends kind of alarm signals um, to the systems that regulate energy. And the result of that is we get hungry, we eat more, and we move less and expend less energy. So for most people, if they lose weight as a result of energy restriction, so eating less, they're going to put that weight on. um, And it's all going to come back over a period of time. So the idea of medication is to try and alter those systems that uh, regulate the food intake. And so that tries to, what's the body doing? It's the response of the body to try and put the energy back. And so the medication is interfering. And there have been a number of medications that have attempted to do this over the years. But this, I think for the first time, is a medication that's extremely effective um, at interfering with those systems and um, curbing hunger, curbing cravings, uh, and helping to keep the weight off or get weight off and to keep the weight off. And many people can get weight off. It's keeping the weight off that's the problem. Mm. Am I right in thinking that this has come as somewhat of a byproduct um, in treating type 2 diabetes? Yeah, that's correct. The um, development of this um, medication um, based on a hormone called GLP-1 and it's made in the, um, the the sort of end part of the small bowel, um, what we call the terminal ileum. Um, it's released in response to food and, and the rate of arrival at the food. And it works in many different other parts of the body. So one of them is the pancreas, um, where in the presence of um, blood sugar, it increases the amount of insulin that's produced. Um, It also slows the rate of transit of food from the stomach so that the the delivery of glucose to the gut and therefore to be absorbed is slower. 
And so the combination of those things uh, makes the disposal or the regulation of blood sugar much easier. But even um, early on, it was it was understood that this worked on the brain to decrease food intake to some extent. But I think it took a little while for um, you know science to sort of realize with the clinical studies just how effective it was at reducing weight. That said, early versions of um, GLP-1-based medicines were not. I mean, they reduced weight, but certainly not to the extent of azempic. And there's something about the design of this molecule that's extremely effective. So from your perspective, what does this mean for the world obesity problem that we have at the moment? Well, well, probably very little for the world um, in the sense that uh, in many parts of the world right now, you can't get ozempic um, because it's, uh, there's just not enough to go around. Uh, it's uh, also extremely expensive, um, variably so in different parts of the world, but but certainly in Western countries, extremely expensive and probably not available in other countries. And also, I think there's, there's an important, um, well, a couple of important points about this. Firstly, when you take a drug like this, or even if you have diet-induced weight loss, you lose muscle as well as fat and you lose bone. So you've got this ongoing problem of sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, if you like. Um, And and that creates a potential problem. The other, and of course, then if you stop it, the the fat comes back, but the muscle and bone don't. So once you're on it, if you want to keep the weight off, you're you're on it. Uh, The other issue is that if you eat a bad diet, I mean, let's say that you survive on chocolate and Diet Coke um, or, you know, I'm being extreme, but just to give a sense, and then you go on a Zempic and you eat less chocolate and Diet Coke, um, you're not going to be any healthier, um, even if you lose weight. So that there's a you know a paramount um, priority here, which is to ensure adequacy of nutrition, uh, to ensure that people are physically active and maintaining their muscle mass and their bone, uh, to ensure that people get appropriate sleep. And so there are many aspects to healthy lifestyle that I think are way more important than the cosmetic aspects of being thinner. Yes, and I 100% agree with you. And I know that there are similar problems with people that have bacteriatic surgery. You're listening to We Need to Talk, conversations on wellness with Coast FM's breakfast host, Tony Street. To be clear... You think this is an effective way for people to lose weight? Because I have read people who are so against it. Well, I mean, look, um, for me, um, managing people with obesity is a medical issue. Um, So the the sort of people that that I look after are severely incapacitated by their weight or they have serious medical complications. And these are people who would otherwise be looking at bariatric surgery um, or Uh, are finding it extremely difficult to manage their diabetes, um, and it's a risk of complications. They're distressed about, you know, trying to make changes to their diet, which is otherwise pretty good. So, you know, this is a medical need as opposed to, well, I want to look better because I'd like to look better. Mm. And I think we have to draw a distinction um, between that group of people for whom this is extremely life-changing and improves their health and and will... um, prevent heart disease and prevent kidney disease and they will live longer because of it as compared to the other group really where it's 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 a yeah, I mean 
like to use the word vanity, but I, it's not entirely that because there are often other things tied up and there's shades of grey here. Mm, so there will be people listening to this that have considered weight loss surgery, um, you know, absolutely in the group you've just described, distressed about their weight, um, mobility is an issue, health is a concern. So right now, would you be recommending people to get weight loss surgery or do you think Ozempic is a safer option for them? Well, you know, again, there, there are shades of grey with this because at any weight that you are, you can be healthier by changing your lifestyle. So if you improve your diet, um, and I, you know, I take a very simple approach to diet, which is based on the quality of the nutrition that we eat. Uh, for most people, they just need three meals a day of, of real food, uh, not processed or ultra-processed foods in particular. Um, we don't need snacks um, for the most part. I mean, little children do, elderly people, pregnant women and athletes need, oh, and hobbits and athletes. But unless we fit into one of those categories, we don't need snacks. Um, and we need to eat during the daylight hours. Now, you know, that will go quite some way uh, to controlling weight. Eliminating alcohol, sugar drinks, flavored milks and so on will also go a long way. And then sleep and exercise. So even if we don't lose weight, we're going to be healthier if we do those things. And even if we want to use a Zempic, we have to do those things. Mm. And then um, for some people, if they have an appropriate bariatric operation, that's going to be beneficial. And we could have had a similar conversation when lap bands were popular, when I would have said many things that are similar uh, about lap bands not being a solution and, and you know, that's proven to long been the case. So I think an operation is a big step to take for people, but it has been shown to um, profoundly improve the quality of people's lives um, and to prevent death and, and uh, increase the quality and du the, the, the duration of quality life years. But, you know, it has to be an appropriate operation done by a good surgeon uh, with a focus on healthy lifestyle, with proper nutrition and all the other factors I've spoken about. Mm, the wraparound service and counselling, I know, is part of that as well. Um, yeah. Do you see a time... At the moment, you're saying there's not enough Ozempic to go round. And I know it has been cleared here in New Zealand for um, medical for diabetes patients. Do you see a time where this will be more readily available, where you can go to the doctor and say, you know, I'm I'm having this issue, this issue because of my weight. Can I get some Ozempic? Will this be a thing? Well, uh, I mean, I look, I don't know, but but in in in, in a sense – if you're going to make that um, assertion to a doctor and the doctor's going to act on it, we're going to be treating a chronic disease and chronic disease need a, an appropriate model of treatment, which means all the other aspects need to be in place. And if it's an off-the-cuff thing and I rock up and today's the day I've decided I need a Zempic and it's not you know, part of a holistic plan for care, then I think it's probably not appropriate, and I would um, I, I would argue for putting all the other building blocks in place. Um, will there ever be enough? Well, probably not, and it's certainly not the solution to the world obesity crisis. Um, we need systems where the food environment is more encouraging of people having a healthy diet, um, and where people are educated about what healthy food means and and how to shop. So it's a kind of whole, assist, whole of systems socio-political approach that's required if we're going to deal with this meaningfully, not, you know, hoping 
that that a medication is going to pop out that everyone can be prescribed when they need it or or for how long they need it. Mm. Um, I totally agree with you, and I think that is in a perfect world. But we are in a obsessed culture, aren't we, with the way people look, and people go to extreme ex- lengths to be slim um, already. And it, it causes a lot of mental distress for people. We see that. Um, yeah. Because of this, do you think the people will be going to extreme lengths to try and get hold of this is what I'm saying? And if they can't get it from the, the correct locations, do you see this being a problem in a black market scenario? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, and, and I think the point you make is correct, that people will do extreme things um, to look better or to feel better. Um, and, and that in itself is a problem, but I don't think we as a profession should be contributing to that problem. Uh, and, and the extent to which um, it, it appears on a black market as a, uh, in relation to breaking of patents or, or to some form of illegal activity, I think you know, there's a responsibility of industry and governments to regulate that in as much as they do with other things. You know, we see that with testosterone, for example, where people want to look better. Um, and they will find a way to do it. Um, so, so it's a balance. And at the end of the day, it it, it applies to to a relatively small number of people, uh, so that harm is contained. Uh, but but people will do it, and and I don't think we should be complicit uh, in facilitating or sanctioning it. Mm. Have you? This is, a, I guess, a, a professional slash personal question. Have you prescribed anyone Ozempic yet? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it is an absolutely magnificent drug for people who struggle with their diabetes and weight. And is it working? Um, oh, it works works extremely well. Um, and we saw just how well it worked in Australia when um, we started prescribing it and then it was no longer available. And so I saw many of my patients who um, had done magnificently well um, regain their weight, not completely, but to a certain extent because it was not years that it wasn't available, but many months. Um, and then their diabetes got worse again. You know, you know these are people who are large people. Um, they've got sleep apnea. They've got multiple complications, you know, kidney complications, heart complications, difficult to control diabetes, not because they don't try their best, but because it's a difficult disease. And, you know, along came this medication that helped them enormously, reduced their distress, uh, the weight that came off, you know, we're talking 10 to 15 kilos at the most. Uh, for many of them, it was 5 to 10. But in all cases, enough to substantially improve things. And side effect-wise? Very few, actually. Um, some of the predecessing medications caused a lot of nausea, um, fatigue, sleepiness, um, generally feeling unwell. Um, whether this is because there's some differences in the molecule or because of the up titration, so where you increase the dose very slowly over a prolonged period of time is not entirely clear, but I suspect it's the slow dose up titration. Um, but occasionally we see people with side effects and the common ones are nausea or diarrhea. But it's not particularly common. In fact, surprisingly uncommon. Yeah, and I guess if you're someone that's immobile and you're getting so many side effects from your obesity, well, it's a bit of a, it's a way up, isn't it? This is We Need to Talk. If you're enjoying this podcast, click to share with family or friends. In terms of the patients that you're prescribing this drug for, 
Um, it sounds like the majority of them have diabetes. Do you see any issue? Because there was the scuttlebutt of, oh, people wanting it for weight loss are stealing it off those who have got diabetes. Do you see an issue in prescribing it for someone who wants it because they need to lose weight, not necessarily diabetes? Well, I mean, I think that in a in a market where it's extremely um, where supply is extremely constrained, um, for someone who doesn't need it for a serious medical problem, and and in Australia the government's decided those those are problems linked to obesity, uh, diabetes plus the obesity, um, it doesn't take away from the distress of other people who feel they might need it, but I think that you know the decision's been made, and I think that. Diverting supply raises, as a, as a healthcare practitioner, I think raises serious ethical issues, and and what we moral and ethical issues. And what we saw in Australia is that large numbers of people were being prescribed Zempic because they wanted to look better. Mm. It meant that many of our patients who really really needed this medication yeah. uh, were denied it, and and, and you know I, that is extremely problematic. Can you just explain to me this, the shortage? I, I can't quite understand it because when there's a need, it's like Panadol. You can get it everywhere. Why don't they just make more of this thing? What, how is it so hard? Oh, because they estimated how much they would need. Um, and, and so they, they figure, well, there's so many people with type 2 diabetes, this proportion, you know, have a weight issue. This is roughly the proportion we think would take it. Um, and then there was this explosion of prescribing for people uh, for any degree of obesity or who just came in and asked for it because they wanted to look better. And, you know, you see this in all the actors in Hollywood who are taking a Zempic yep. because it's an yep. appearance issue. Now, you multiply that um, by huge numbers of people in the population and suddenly the calculations of, of what was being manufactured because of estimated supply blows out. And that was the origin of the problem. And then they had to spend some time increasing manufacturing capacity. So you think they will eventually catch up? Well, I think it's a combination of things. So there are newer medications coming that are um, similar. For example, um, there's a medication coming called tazepatide, which is a combination of a GLP-1 agonist and a GIP agonist. So it's a dual mechanism of action that's more effective. And then there are triple agonists coming. And there is also an oral form of this medication that I think is now available in the United States. So you're saying that they will be more effective than the Ozempic that first came out? Well, I think more effective, but also um, more um, uh, easier to take. Um, so that's not an injection, it's a tablet form, which is better for, for people. But also when there are different medications and more medications available, then of course, by, by the very nature of this manufacturing capacity has increased. Um, and then the, the greater the number of options, the more likelihood there will be that supply of something will be available. Yeah, well, a wonderful, wonderful thing for people that desperately need this drug. Um, Professor Witter, I really appreciate your time today and thank you for giving us the holistic picture of all of this and weight loss. Um, and now we can sort of have a clear view ourselves rather than just sort of seeing the tidbits that have been sort of filtered into New Zealand from all sorts of directions. We need to talk with Tony Street. To get in touch, 
Email we need to talk at coastonline.co.nz. If you enjoyed this podcast, click to share with family or friends. Catch more from Tony Street, Jace Reeves, and Sam Wallace. Listen five till nine weekday mornings on Coast FM or check out the Weekly Chasers replay podcast right here.